I said, I got a man in my church who's 93 years old and still golfs. And shoots his age every day, don't he, don't he, Mike? We have a standing appointment with Yahweh and with his family every Sunday morning. Yes, Sunday. Saturday is the Sabbath. Messianic guys that I have friends that I'm friends with don't like me because of this, because they think I should go to church on the Sabbath between sundown on Friday and sundown on Saturday. But I told them, it's the day of rest. True? I believe in the first, that God is a God of first things. Sunday's the first day of the week. And so people tell me, you're worshiping the sun God. No, I'm not. I'm giving God the first of everything because he says it belongs to him. Sunday's the first day of the week. Listen close to me. And if you belong to him, that day does not belong to you. To just do whatever you want. All first things belong to Yahweh. The first tenth of our income, the tithe. Fake Christians think that two things are, these two things are optional. If Yahweh ain't first in your life, I assure you, Yahweh ain't in your life. Now, I want to tell you something. I have an apostolic role in this church, but my root gifting is prophet. And I got something to say today. As we begin to go beyond 40 years, we need to repent for it's too late if we don't understand what I just said. Our 40th anniversary has been an incredible journey of discovery and deliverance. The discovery of who I am, the discovery of who God is, and His Son, and the true gospel, and my deliverance from modern Christendom and their false teachings and traditions that deny men from knowing what's required by Yahweh to qualify for eternal life. These 40 years, I have learned that I am nothing and Yahweh is everything, and that my life is not mine to do with what I want, when I want, and how I want. And my life is not about trying to be happy, but to, to, trying to make Yahweh happy. We learned years ago that there are nine requirements to be a disciple. And the first three are this. You must hate everything, everybody, and even your own life, or you cannot be a disciple. That's milk, Johnny. That's baby stuff. So on the get-go, we should understand that before we decide. And I have come to the realization that Yahweh absolutely will bring correction and chastening to those he loves. I have learned that Yahweh will bring trouble into my life to straighten me out. As Kim said, we are just a few. I accepted that a long time ago. I realized that a lot of people just cannot endure the demands of Christ. And I've been told things like this. I don't want to get that close to God. <laughs> and I'm not going to tell you who. And I've heard, you're a hard man to walk with. And I always chuckle when I use this as an example. Because these two who said this did not faint. But they are elders in this house today. Hallelujah. Will you give God praise for that? <laughs> 
I, in these 40 years, got set free from ambition and the ambition of church growth and the worship of big. And my identity and validation comes only from doing the will of him who sent me. And I can assure you and testify this morning that Yahweh, my God, will withhold no good thing from anyone who will walk uprightly. I'm preaching today. I am indeed wonderfully and abundantly blessed. You see, I've abounded, but I've also been humbled. I've been criticized, but also praised. I've seen them come and go. My hair turned from black to white. I've laughed and I've cried. I've been hated. I've been loved. I've been misunderstood. I've been ridiculed. I've been embraced and appreciated. And guess what? I say that every year at anniversary time. And then I say this, and I ain't done yet. Are you done, son? You done yet? You breathing, ain't you? Joel's in the hospital, man. I thought I was going to have to take him the keyboard up there and video him. These are a few things that are in my heart for us today. And I want to declare them over us and into us. Number one is, and it, there's not really numbers, I just said it. We must believe and we must live in the imminent return of Yahshua. This past year, I remember while declaring what Yahweh was saying to us, I experienced this very sobering, severe shift in the spirit to where I literally had to just stop preaching. I was done. Some of you may have been here and remembered it. And the fact is, somewhere in my life as a child, it was instilled in me to always live my life with an expectation that Yahshua was coming soon. And the imminent return. And as I learned, and, and I, my first ministry was called Wake Up Ministries. It was about waking up. Little did I know how, what the wake up was going to be. But it was then about, hey, wake up. Jesus is coming soon. That was the, the whole thing. Wrote a song about it. Wake up ministry. Had business cards. The whole thing. But as I learned more of the scriptures, I, I always used to keep my eyes on the Middle East. And I especially kept my eyes on Gog and the land of Magog and the chief prince of Meshech and Tubal. My number one focus was on the nation of Russia. Are you listening to me today? I teach a lot of doctrine. I don't do many prophetic things anymore, say it like that, because I'm trying to get our character right, obeying God, serving Him, get the world off of us, get us untangled from worldliness, you know, so we can get our well done. But today, I'm going to just briefly say this before I continue. How many of you know that you don't know what's going on in the world? How many of you know that our press does not tell you what's going on in the world? How many of you understand that they just tell you what they want you to hear and that's all it is? How many of you know that we're in captivity with that? A lot of people don't know that. So they get educated based on whatever the internet says. Our world is sick. Our culture is corrupt. It cannot happen. Help it because that is the result of sin. You're not going to fight it. You're not going to prolong it. It's going to kill you in every avenue of your life, in your emotional realm, in your relationship realm, even the way you see yourself. When we're trying to self-improve, sin will not let that happen. You will not be able to love yourself because sin will deny you that. And it's greater than anything. It's so great that it's going to bring the death of all of us. I don't talk about it much, but I study it intensely. And rather amazingly and seemingly to me, 
I was praying about a month ago and I said, Yahweh, I must this must rush your thing. Maybe I'm wrong about it. Or maybe it's just not the timing. And maybe, you know, help me understand this. You know, I mean, everybody thought Hitler was the Antichrist. You know, everybody thought Mussolini was. Everybody thought Stalin was. Everybody thought Brezhnev was because he had a mark on his head. That's how stupid and ignorant we are of the scriptures. But I got to tell you, the geopolitical landscape that I see today and the climate that's in both Russia, Iran, and I always throw in Turkey, and one day I'll tell you why, maybe. I see them uniquely aligning with all the many prophecies found in Ezekiel's prophecy. See? What I see is Russia, again, is on the move. And I'm a history buff. I know from the czars, from, from Peter the Great. I know about the Orthodox Church. I know about all these times down through history, the Cold War. I know these things because I've studied them intensely. Because Russia is such a player in what's going to happen right before Yeshua returns. What's happening in Ukraine right now? I wasn't sure about what was in my spirit, but I know now what's going on there, I think. You can judge it for yourself, but I'm going to tell you what, the Ukrainians ain't winning. I don't care what the, today's political landscape and, is reporting, they are not winning. The storm clouds are gathering. Russia has 750,000 troops and 350,000 troops on call. I don't even want to get into the technology they had. Don't forget, they put the first satellite up. Have you heard of Sputnik? Russia can locate a, a tank and have a missile, cruise missile there within five to seven minutes because of GPS coordinations. Their state-of-the-art military machine is working and building 724-365 while America sleeps and eats and drinks and is merry. I want to know the truth. You want me to baby you and tell you everything's goo goo okay. I got to tell you something. We are drunken and blind. I told you about the commercial I saw. And they showed a television clip of trying to recruit Russian troops. And I saw the Russian guys, man. These things look like, you know, something in a, one of these movies. It's this dark. They're in the barracks. These guys are all built and strong and doing push-ups and all that. And then I saw the latest recruiting video for American troops. And it was a woman saying this. I came from a family of two mothers. I got to tell you, we are in trouble. We're at the end of this age. We must be ready. We must be seriously ready. Why? In Luke 12, you must also be ready for the Son of Man is coming in an hour that you do not expect. I'll say this. If we get involved in an ethnic war, which all that is over there, just like it was in Iraq, if we get involved with NATO and we go over there and we come home with our tails tucked, Russia's already headed toward Poland and lining up troops there. Listen to me. The Bible says that it will be Gog and Magog who comes down and attacks Israel. If, the, if, if the NATO and the, and, the, and the United States go there 
in a war, in my opinion, and I know I may get flack about this. This is my opinion. We ain't got no business over there. But what I believe the potential is, is this machine. I mean, we don't have a war machine like that. We got some stuff, but it ain't. I mean, anyhow, this is what I think will happen. If Russia, who's already set up there, they're already attacking, they're already there, they got, and, and NATO and the United States come in. And if it happens to be, they, they get their butt handed to them, and America and NATO puts their tail between their legs and leaves, I believe it has the potential to Russia, Moscow, and you know who used to be called Little Moscow? Tehran. How many know where Tehran is? Iran. How many know what Iran hates? Me and Jonathan talked to Iranian the other day, didn't we, Jonathan? What, what, a month ago. He's, he told me what it was like over there. You don't think that if that, they had that momentum going, that they wouldn't say, hey, while we're here and, and America is, hope, is helpless, licking their wounds, why don't we go ahead and take out who we won't been wanting to take out anyhow? You don't think that's got the potential? I do. See, we are so busy, drunk with worldliness. And the cares of life and all this stuff and what this is going to be like and all that. That we are just asleep like everybody else to something that is much more important than something like that. And that is the return of Yeshua to the earth. We're children of the light. we got to stop walking in darkness. We've got to keep our garments spotless. We can't have fellowship with darkness and live the way the world lives. Because what it'll do... When you hang out and you live with people and the influence of the world, then what will happen, it will make us want to invest in temporal things instead of eternal things. We know the story. We wouldn't want our kids to do it. Bad company corrupt good morals. It steals your faith, and it will control your perceptions. And those that love you, you won't be able to accept those that love you. You won't be able to receive it. They don't love me. They don't love me. No, because now you're all twisted in your emotions and twisted in our perceptions because that's what worldliness does. I've seen many people that let Satan blow it out. What are you talking about? This little light of mine. They've let the world, my carnality, and my ignorance about eternal things versus the temporary little life we have here. I've preached on this last week, I believe it was. Did I talk about vanity and vexation of spirit last week? Okay, yeah. Vanity and vexation of spirit. Solomon says everything. And that's a term that's been found, is found all through the book of, of Ecclesiastes, especially in the chapters 1 through 5. What does it mean, Johnny, vexation of spirit? It means that everything in this life is meaningless, and everything in our desire to have perishable, material, temporal things is in vain. This desire that we have for temporary and perishables will cause our spirit to become, the word is, is vexed. When I, we have a vexed spirit, our mind can never rest. We can never have faith. We can never have peace. We can never have joy. It brings these restless days and nights of weariness. And, just, and it, that brings and also dissatisfaction and depression because what we think can bring us fulfillment never does, and we die in disappointment. When we look for material, temporal things to make us happy, our spirit gets vexed, and we still end up complaining and dissatisfied. Please listen to me, please, please. 
Let me tell you what you were created for. You were created for His pleasure. You were created. I was created to bring pleasure to Yahweh. And until you do that, we will have vexed spirits no matter what. And we're never going to really have the real kind of peace and joy God promised us. Because we love the world and the things thereof. Thinking that somehow they're going to give us safety and happiness. I'm going to read you a story today or tell you about a story in the Bible. And this is what I believe the word of the Lord is to this house going forward. Joshua tells the parable of a landowner. And he plants a vineyard on his own land. He then hires these, the word really means vine growers. To work his vineyard while he's away. Well, vine grower does what? He prunes. He picks off the bad ones. He, he takes care of the, the growing of the vines. So when the harvest, see, so the uh, landowner went away. He hired these guys to take care of his vineyard. So when the harvest time comes, the vineyard owner sends some slaves, or his doulos, servants, to collect the produce. You're going to take care of them. We're going to get all the grapes together. And then I'm going to come and I'm going to get the, my grapes. I'll pay you for your part, but I'm going to come get my grapes. Are you all with me? But instead of paying the landowner what was his, giving him his grapes, it's 1233. Y'all, I apologize. Will y'all let me get through this quickly? I'll, I'll call church off next week if you didn't want me to. <laughs> when the harvest comes, and instead of giving the land over what was his, the vine growers beat him and kill him. They send, he sends another group of slaves. He gets beaten, they get beaten and killed. So the, land, the landowner who, built, who planted it on his property, built a wall around it, protected from the animals, had a tower to make sure thieves wouldn't come in. Guess what? He went to get his own stuff, and they wouldn't give it to him. So he said, I'll tell you what, I'm going to bring, I'm going to bring my, let my son come there, and surely they'll respect him. No, because they killed the heir that came to get what was God's. I said they killed the heir who came to get what wasn't even theirs to get what was God's. He asked the Pharisees, what, what should happen? They said, he should have a wretched death and a wretched end. I'm going to get right down to the end of this. Always great. He created and therefore owns everything. He can do what he wants with what's his. When I pray, Yahweh made everything and everything his is my mindset. The way I approach Yahweh is how I understand my life. Nothing I have is mine. It's all his. I never do anything, guys, listen, without his permission. And whatever he chooses me to, to do with me or what's his, I accept. I accept where I live. I accept what I do. I accept where I go, I, I, how I spend my money and my time. Even what I give him, I realize that I'm really not giving him anything because all I'm giving him is what he gave me to give. Joel was talking about Wednesday night how there's people who come to church needed, needed money. I would give them $500 and then I would give them $550. Five dollars. So they would keep the 500, take the 50, and give that as a tithe and the five dollars off the 50 for a tithe. So I gave them enough money to give, I mean to have, and then to pay the, 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 the tithe on it too. 
trying to teach them the economy of God. When you get in the economy of God, the potential is when you, put, when you make a payment on Apple Pay, they'll call you up thinking it's fraud because they can't believe that somebody gives that much money maybe and the blessing of God on people's life. I told somebody today, they said, man, I got the perfect job for me. I'm my own boss. The sweat is wiped off my brow. And guess what? And I got a raise. I said, that's what I'm talking about right there. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. My cry is this. Not my will, but thine. Not my will, but thine. Not my will, but thine. Now listen, I want you to hear me today. And now, I'm just being stern with you today. You don't own anything. Nothing you have is yours. You may have it for a little while, but I'm going to tell you, somebody else is going to get it in a little while. I don't own anything. And we don't get to make the decision about what we do with Yahweh's grapes and Yahweh's property. The fact is, right now, you and I are on probation. And he's qualifying people to rule and reign with him on the earth. Yahweh is looking to see who's smart and who's stupid. To cross Yahweh is stupid. I don't even know how to say it. He wants to see how you handle his stuff. And I'll tell you, he blesses those smart people. Those who know they were created for his pleasure. And as far as the stupid people, well, they who, they who think that they own what they own is their own or own their own. Maybe that explains a few things. These stewards stupidly thought what they were to watch over was theirs. Let's make sure that we haven't become that same way. And we must also live remembering this. You want to be successful in life? Remembering you're going to die soon. You've got to remember that. There is a time to die and it's well to remember it. The man who remembers is wiser in every way than the man who habitually dismisses and ignores it. That's scripture right there I read you. The man who remembers that there's a time to die is wiser in every way. The thought and choices and decisions that act as if this life will never, never end will cause wretchedness in your life and a wretched end. The fact is we are being scripted by a narrative of carnality and flesh. Rewriting what we think can make us safe and happy. Controlling what we and how we spend our time and our money and our life. Making... Let's become so busy in the pursuit and for the accumulation of perishable things. And people get proud about how busy they are with what they think is their vineyard. Interesting, I mean, investing in things that, have, that are worthless. God blesses us with those things. As we go on after 40, only what we do for the kingdom matters. These are mindsets that I'm telling you today as we travel along. If you think anything you do for your children, their education, their sports, their programs, their toys, etc., anything that is more important than preparing our children for the return of Yeshua, you are a fool and do not believe and certainly do not love your child and have failed as a parent, if you put those things before taking the time to train up your children and teaching them how to get their well done. Don't, anybody want to say amen to that? But we've been told all these other things. We think the other things are important. And they're not wrong. They're only wrong when they're out of order. I think it's worse than human trafficking. 
And I keep my eye on that. How can you, how can you uh, abuse a child and waste the opportunity to form them so they can get their well done and we throw them out into the world and let the world disciple them? I think there's something very wrong about that. This alternative script, though, that we should be transformed by the renewing of our mind, the rescripting is rooted in belief and obedience to that spirit word. The offer of a counter-narrative of this, these manipulative, I call them consumption peddlers. Like I call the preachers soul merchants. They are consumption pe- peddlers. And we are found, in, are found in a true functioning ecclesia where submission to apostolic corruption is adopted and adapted. Didn't I just preach on that? This is all what I preached on this month, guys. Let me tell you about something about Yahweh. He's going to send trouble into your life to turn you back to Him. I said, He'll send trouble into your life to turn you back to Him. And that trouble will burn away any, anything and everything you're putting your trust in. That trouble is what's going to get you your well done. Otherwise, if He didn't do that and discipline and chasing us and bring trouble in our life, most of us would be running buck wild, doing their own thing in a life of sin. And you know the people that are doing it. I hope we ain't none of those. Trouble will sober, sober you up. <laughs> Hallelujah. When you eat and drink and be merry and get lukewarm and carnal and thinking you own the vineyard, you need the righteous to smite you. Wake up, dummy! Just slap somebody. Ever, somebody ever have somebody slap you upside the head? I've had teachers do that to me. <laughs> this is what Yahweh said to me. While he was teaching Wednesday night, he said, many people are going to be a day late and a dollar short. Day late and a dollar short. Is that scriptural? I don't know. I got to tell you, my wife called me before. Hey, did you pay the power bill? Aren't you glad you can do it on the cell phone now? Yeah, honey, I don't know. Try that one more time. Yeah. Oh, oh, it's working. Must have been something you did. Can I tell you? If you're one day too late and a dollar short, you come outside, your car get repoed. True? You could have made the payment. You could have been where he says to be. You could have given your, his time. But when he returns, are you going to be a, dollar day, a, a day late and a dollar short? Have you kept up with your payments, your tithes and offerings? Yahweh's money that gave you for the kingdom, have you spent that on yourself? Like the vine growers in Yeshua's parable? It is a stupid mistake. It's reminiscent to me and smells of Bernie Madoff who takes people's money that don't belong to them and somehow thinks that they have the right to use it for themselves. Who knows who Alec Murdoch is? Alec Murdoch, here he is. He's a lawyer. He takes insurance money that he wins a case. One of them was a quadriplegic child, Joel, like $2.8 million. And guess what he thought? He thought he had the right to take that little boy's money and spend it on himself. It's called robbery. That's God's money, and that's God's time he's given us. Are we misappropriating the funds? Have we gotten like the vine growers and think our life is our own? And what Yahweh has designated for himself can be ours? Are you robbing God? Are you defrauding the body? Are you stealing what God has given you to build his kingdom and spending it on perishable stuff? On the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. 
If you are, you're just taking dance lessons on the deck of the Titanic. Trust me. Our mistake is we think the commands and the requirements of God are optional. That's because of the, uh, the scripting that the world has told us. Because we don't see instant attribution. We think, oh, it's okay. I get away with it. Oh, anybody knows it. But I'm going to tell you what. The IRS is going to come knocking at your door, so to speak, one day. You can be sure your sins will find you out. And I believe it's the most of most people's problems and trouble. A mistake. I mean, the world's got enough trouble just on its own. These things aren't optional. Do you know who we're dealing with? We're dealing with God. But we don't see it that way. Remember, sin equals we think we're our own God and we can do how it, things wherever we want to, just like Cain, the way of Cain. Have you ever had somebody tell this to you? Listen close. I ain't asking. I'm telling. When somebody says that to me, I'm like, okay, ho, ho. I've had my daddy tell me before, son, I ain't asking you, I'm telling you. Ever heard that said? Well, I want you to hear Yahweh this morning. He ain't asking us, y'all. He's telling us. I'm going to close with this. I do thank you for your patience. Hearing me and let me prophesy. I want to tell you, I hope you that have light in you can hear the voice of God speaking to me to, through me this morning. I'll go home today and I want to tell you what. I, I will kind of be in mourning a little bit. Because I believe the Spirit of God is grieved over all at, the, at His body. I'm blessed, and I think we have a wonderful body here. But I know how easy it is to get entangled in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. I know the power of that. That's why I love, Kim, I love what you said this morning about this is where we come to mourn, this is where we come to rejoice, this is where we come to somebody for the righteous to say, hey, slap us upside the head. Let the righteous smite me. Go to get a script, a counter-narrative that we get all day long. I mean, come on. Y'all know the whole, it, we're inundated by it. It's hard out there. I understand that. Promise you I understand it. And I'm going to close with this. Look, if you love your life too much, you're going to lose it. Bow your heads. Yahweh, I hear you.